On today's episode of the Bolts broadcast, Tampa's stars are heading to Vegas. Be tuned. Season 3, episode 29 of the Bolts broadcast. Mike Mitchelson and Chase Crawshaw joining you today. Chase, 29 episodes. Uh, this season's kind of flown by already. It's kind of crazy that we're already here at 29. And indeed it is, but, you know, that's good. It means we've had a jolly old time doing it. You know, time flies by when you're well, having fun, right? I, it's not much fun with you here, but... <laughs> and you're sitting real close to me today. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, you're the one that chose this arrangement. Well, we got to for the videos. Well, we don't do videos for the show. Oh, we could. Oh, we definitely could. And I'm sure the people would love to see our lovely faces. Oh, I know they would love to. But anyways, it's Sunday. It is 8.20. We just saw the end of the Dallas Cowboys 49ers game. Speaking of that. Very interesting. Yes. I, I just what? I just saw for the second year in a row the losing team's quarterback won the MVP. Dak won the MVP in this game. Did he really? Yeah. That's phenomenal. <laughs> okay, sorry. Did they... Did they Give it, like give it to them. I'm, I'm I'm gonna say no. They just put out this graphic. This is graphic here. If I've shared it. Oh boy. Hey, that's money. At least Dak's a good player. Eighty-one percent of the vote. <laughs> they went down early, so the fans jumped on it. Yeah. Um. Well, Chase. Sunday night. Like I said, how you feeling? First off, and then we can just briefly talk about that game. Then, of course, we're hopping into a bunch of Tampa stuff. Going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers very briefly talking about our Tampa Bay Lightning game review preview, and then we got some news on the other side of the commercial break. But how you doing? Yeah, no, I'm good. At least, you know, th- that was an exciting football game to watch. I know you didn't watch a whole lot of it. I fell asleep for a little chunk of it, too, because I got very little sleep last night. We had to wake up early. But, you know, from what I did watch, I actually, you know, I, I saw pretty much all, I saw all the first there in fourth quarter missed a little bit of the second. But anyway, yeah, it, it, was, it was a good game. Um, you know, I... I thought the Cowboys were going to win, so you know, on our other show, Bulls are um, we're not professionals. This is the Bulls broadcast. Right. I, I chose that the Cowboys were going to win, but mm-hmm. I was rooting for the 49ers the whole way. I want the 49ers to win. I, I don't want the Cowboys to win. I don't think anybody wants that. I don't want the Cowboys, but I love Ceedee Lamb. I like Dak Prescott a lot. Um, I like Amari Cooper. So like, I was rooting for their players. Yeah, I, I like a lot of the individual players, but you can't like the Cowboys. You just can't. I mean, you can't like them. Can't root for them either. Can root, can't sure you can. I can, root for, I can root for all those players that have crazy stats. But Cowboys against lose. the Steelers. Cowboys all day, baby. Cowboys against the Packers. What are you picking? I'm tie. No. Tie. Can't. I can. I just did. It's not how that works. I just did. Okay. Well. I, I will I will only be happy with a tie. I will be unhappy either way. Disgusting. Uh, well, you didn't ask, but I am doing well. I, yeah, I didn't care. I'm six screwdrivers in today. There you go. Uh, wanted to do mimosas, but... The family wasn't too interested in breaking out the champagne, so rather I just went the vodka route, you know? I gotcha. So it feels great. Played a little Betrayal, a great board game if you haven't played it. Um, So, yeah, it was good. But let's briefly talk about that last play for the Dallas Cowboys. 14 seconds left. They're at, what, the 40, 35-40 of San Francisco. And I don't know if it was a design play, but either way, Dak Prescott had a QB draw. Went right up the middle, slid down, and they weren't able to spike the ball in time. Uh, just a mess. That's literally, if you're not a football fan, that's like taking a goalie out, bringing in an extra attacker with 12 minutes left in the second period, 
when you're down by one. Petroquois. Like yeah, like it was the worst play call I think we've seen in quite some time for football. It was weird. I really don't get. It was for sure a design quarterback run. You don't take off that quickly as a quarterback if it's not a design run. He didn't even take a chance to read the field. He just ran right through the hole. So that was intended that way. But the problem is, he gained too too much yardage. Like it took too long. Yeah, yeah for him to get down. Uh, you got to recognize. Um, You've got about four to five seconds, absolute max, to run that ball. And he ran for about like six to seven. Like like four seconds is probably really all you can do. So then you get seven, eight yards in that in that time. You get a first down. You spike the ball. Then you go for for a um a red zone throw to end the game. That's or like an end zone throw, I should say. So that's the proper play. But instead, he runs too far. Then the whole scramble of not giving the ball to the ref to set it properly, and then the ref tackles him. Trying tackles Dak mm, trying to get there. Mm-hmm. I he I mean he t- still took him out. Like it, it's I'm not saying he didn't go down. Oh, the, he stumbled. He caught himself. He, if the center wasn't in front of him, he would have went down because the ref came in hot trying to get there in time. Um, but yeah, so it he was, was back up in time for when the ball got set though. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was it was just it was just a mad scramble and and just was it just wasn't very good management. So I think we agree that it's Kellen Moore's fault. He should not get an opportunity as a head coach ever because of that situation. Like that no. that that is literally yeah. Daryl Bevel yeah. uh, running a pass on the one yard line in a Super Bowl rather than running the ball with Marshawn Lynch. Like what are you doing? No. That's not, not even close. <laughs> what do you thing. mean it's not close? It's it's not his fault. His quarterback didn't give him the freaking ball. Then give the ref the ball back. Who in their right mind calls a run with 14 seconds left and you still have 40 yards to go? The run is fine if you get down way quicker than he did because you can get up and spike the ball. And but if he gets down way quicker, he still gets, what, 10 yards? So you still have another 30 yards to go? Why not do a quick out pass like they've been doing the whole time? Or why not well, do a slant across the middle and do, like, a reverse like they did with CeeDee Lamb? Because the 49ers had the sideline coverage, so they had four yeah. cornerbacks so? on each sideline. So you're not going to get the ball out of bounds. So you try to Sure you can. You, you can't. You only had one on each side. And then you had high side. safeties. It was literally that. It was more than that. It was there's three guys on each side. No, there wasn't. There were high safeties. They on the commentary team. They said you need at least one person on the outside for each one. And then they're like, okay, there you go. They finally got it down here. We'll we'll, we'll go back and watch it. Yeah, we will. We will because they easily could have done a reverse, kind of like what they did with Ceedee Lamb and uh, was it Cedric Wilson and the first play on that last drive. Yeah. So I just. There's no reason. I mean, I would have thrown for I would have thrown for the end zone originally anyway. Yeah, because like you got 14 seconds, you're gonna throw the ball to contest into a contested like field anyway. Mm-hmm. So odds are it's going incomplete or to your receiver. It's odds are it's not gonna be picked off in contested coverage. It usually isn't. So I would have just thrown two, three balls for the end zone. Right. No reason to run. No. Uh, Tampa Bay versus Philadelphia. This is still football, of course. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks versus the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Wild Card Weekend. This was the morning game. Uh, I watched a little bit at the start, but once it was really just a massacre, I turned it off. Philly was able to score 15 at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, but this wasn't really... I expected it to be a little bit more competitive, but I know a lot of people thought it was going to be a blowout, and that's exactly what it was. Yeah, I I didn't expect it to be more... I mean, I guess, in theory, expect it to be more competitive up until the fourth quarter. Like, it started to become that way, but... I, I, you know, it was pretty clear the Bucs were going to come out on top in this game. And they looked good all the way through. Um, you know, Todd Bowles is managing a great defense there with Tampa Bay. Tom Brady, of course, you know, played a hell of a game. Guys, just unreal. It's it's hard to say they're not one of the favorites going forward for the rest of this playoff run. 
Yeah, I mean, you got two-time champs in hockey. Very potentially could have two-time champs here in football because, honestly, right now, if you're looking at the remaining teams, is there a quarterback you're taking over Tom Brady? I don't think he can. No, you re- you really can't. Like, you, you, you might want to say, oh, Aaron Rodgers, based on the season he had, but, like, Aaron Rodgers always finds a way to have trouble at the end of the postseason. Mm-hmm. Like, he always does, so... Until he can, you know, overcome it more than just the one time, you got to say Tom Brady. Brady's now, like, fourth all-time in playoff wins when it comes to him versus franchises. Yeah. He's first when it comes to players. But when it comes to literal franchises, he's only behind, like, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and New England, I think. So, just crazy what he's able to do and always clutching up in the big game situation. But... Let's now move on to hockey chase. Let's talk about our all-stars, Victor Hedman and Andre Vasilevsky, heading over to Las Vegas to represent the Tampa Bay Lightning. It'll be fun. Yeah, it definitely will be. You know, all-star games, sir, they're kind of whatever. I'm more of a fan of the skills competition. I always, Absolutely. Yeah, always enjoy the skills competition. So we're going to see two of our guys in Hedman and Vasilevsky. You know, there's still a last-man in vote. I honestly haven't even voted on it, so I don't know if Stamkos is up for it or not. Uh, Stamkos is someone who probably deserves to be in there based on his play this year. So maybe he can get in with the last man in vote. I don't know. But anyway, Hedman Vasilevsky, both very deserving. Steven Stamkos is a part of the last man choices. Um, When you're looking at the Atlantic for that, you've got Charlie Mack, Tage Thompson, Lucas Raymond, Alexander Barkov, Tyler Toffoli, Brady Kachuk, Stamkos, and John Tavares. So I think think there's a pretty good chance he can come out of there, um, depending on, obviously, the fans, what fans are most interactive. So if you want to see your captain – perform in the all-star weekend make sure to go vote in that uh what do you think victor hedman will be doing for the skills competition maybe hardest shot or what are we thinking yeah maybe hardest shot maybe the like precision passing one you know um i i, I don't know if there's anything new this year you know if there's something new this year maybe he's doing one of those but I, I would guess it's probably one of those two i'm excited that skills competition is always something i'm looking forward to uh not so much the all-star game that's one where i'm usually watching something else doing something else but when it comes to the skills competition, I always take time out of my day to be able to watch that. So very excited to see the boys represent there. Uh, let's now move on and talk about some of the games we had this past week. We are now officially on a three-game win streak with back-to-back wins over Vancouver and Dallas on Thursday and Saturday. So very exciting. Let's start with that Vancouver game, one four to two. It was a good one. Yeah, I mean, of course it was a good one. You know, we talked about it that. Vancouver is a team that's been playing pretty well under Bruce Boudreau, or, you know, at least comparatively to how they started in the year. But Tampa's just kind of the, the, the better team in this game. So, you know, good good to see him come out with a win. It was a kind of a, a lower action game in terms of the actual shots on net, but it, it was still, you know, good hockey. To, you know, I mean, most hockey's good hockey. But right. anyway, yeah, no, it, 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 it was a good hard-fought battle. It was a nice win for the Tampa Lightning. And the special teams played really well, stepped up here against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, most surprising to me is this is the first time the Canucks have dropped two in a row under Bruce Boudreaux. So, yeah. pretty shocking there. Yeah, no, it, Tony, he's he's done a pretty good job managing this team roster. Um, they, they've been playing pretty well. Guys seem to believe in him. He believes in his players. So, it, it's good for Vancouver that, you know, things might hopefully be trending eventually in the right direction because really since the 2011 Cup run, it's all just been downhill. Absolutely. Then we go over to Saturday's game against the Dallas Stars. Uh, This one was a little bit slow through the first two periods, only 1-1 after those, but Tampa really took advantage of the third period, able to score two, put us on top over the Dallas Stars. Yep, you know, another game where we're just 
the better opponent here. I mean, like we're, we're, we're the better team Dallas this season, you know, struggling a little bit ever since that they had the cup run and we yeah. beat them in the finals. It's just another, another thing, but downhill, <laughs> you know, two, two teams, two cup runs that they've been downhill since then. Uh, but there, there's still talent on this Dallas roster, you know, a guy like Jason Robertson, for example, um, he is someone who's I know he's on the last man in vote for um for the All Star game and because he didn't get in, he's someone that um like five on five. I think the only player that scored more than him in the last like eighty games is Connor McDavid. Oh, he's like playing that well and it's going that under the radar because Dallas is kind of struggling. Um, I wonder before I guess the the Ottawa Senators back when. They played the Penguins in the uh, Eastern Championship, Eastern Conference Championship. Mm-hmm. Before then, I never really thought of teams going super far as being teams that will eventually struggle within the next year or two. But we've seen that a lot recently with Ottawa, who I just mentioned uh, against the Penguins. We see it with Montreal, with Dallas. Is I guess what's the testament to that? Is it just that everything went in their favor to get that far and they got lucky or was it bad offseason management? What do you think it is when we see these teams have so much success one year and then the following year, the following two years, they just struggle? Well, you can look at a couple examples. So obviously the recent team, Montreal Canadiens, went to the finals. Everything just went right for them. They, they were really never that team anyway. So not surprising that they're struggling, especially without Carey Price but and Shea Weber really. But to see them struggling this hard is also a little surprising. Dallas, um, it's a team that, for years and years, you always look like they could do it, then they could never do it. Then finally one year they get there, and then obviously it doesn't work out, and they're just kind of back to what they were. We're always looking like they're good enough to do it, and they can just never can. So that's just kind of the roster that's been built there in Dallas. Then, you you know, you look at Ottawa. They, you know, they lost in game six, I think it was, uh, game six overtime to the Penguins, and Eric Carlson was traded in that offseason. Mark Stone um, was traded eventually, like the next season I believe it was, um, Mike Hoffman. Had the whole ordeal too, so you right. know uh, all, all that happened. So you know, there's a lot of roster change up there. So some of these teams, it's roster change up, and then a couple of the other teams, it's really just things, everything going right in the one season, and things kind of regressing back to the norm. Yeah, I just find it shocking that in the last five years, it's happened you know three times. Yeah, so it's a little bit crazy. But let's move on to our game on Tuesday, the only one to preview on this episode. Uh, we talked about our past couple of games; we're just the better team. Uh, the opponent doesn't stack up against us. Uh, it feels the same way with the LA Canes. However, the LA Canes are streaking a little bit, seven and three in their last ten, and currently on a four-game win streak. Yeah, they're not a bad team. They're they're playing actually well, kind of well this year. John the Quick seeing, you know, a little bit of resurgence. Um, you know, Garrett Sparks is, is also the back. He's played one game and played well, but it'll be John the Quick that we're going to be seeing. So it doesn't even matter. But you know, he, he he has been playing pretty well. And then this LA Kings team, of course, you know. You've got Anze Kopitar, who's just been a staple in this team for a lot of years. Uh, he's playing like a stud. He's got 34 points for 38 games. You know, he's just not slowing down. Adrian Kempe, he's got 17 goals on the year to lead the team. Like, they're they're getting production from veterans that you thought would have been slowing down, like Anze Kopitar. They're getting production from young guys like Adrian Kempe. Uh, Tobias Bornfot's playing pretty solid defense. You know, you can look at Arthur Kaliev. He's, you know, not doing anything dominant, but he's playing pretty effective in, like, the, like, middle six, really third line type role that he's doing. Like they're getting their young guys that are, that are stepping up and they're just playing really good as a team. So it's not going to necessarily be an easy win, but also it should be a win that I would expect. Right. I, I think it's pretty surprising. They're fourth in goals against per game, which I think is crazy. Uh, their defense has stepped up and Jonathan quick 
stepped up, been performing a lot better than what we've seen the past couple of years. And then one name that I've talked about before on the show that I think he is just tremendously overrated, that being Drew Doughty. He's been out for a little bit, uh, but he's got 19 games played with 19 points, scoring at a point per game right now. That surprises me a little bit. I've always thought Drew Doughty, one of the most overrated players in the NHL. I mean, it is a little surprising. I would never expect him to be performing this way, to be honest, but yeah, good for him. You know, he, he gets that big contract. At least he's not completely disappointing the franchise now. Absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for our first half of the show. We're going to go to a quick commercial break on the other side of the commercial break. We got some news around the league and looking at the USA Olympic rosters. Be right back. The NFL playoffs are here, and the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN. This wildcard weekend at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much to DraftKings for sponsoring the show. If you need to do any sports betting, make sure to head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook. Chase and I currently have the Chiefs-Steelers game on in the background, and uh, you can bet your ass that we put some money on the Chiefs in this one. So we'll see what happens. But, Chase, we have to start this half of the show with some very uh, unfortunate, disturbing news, uh, and that being involving Reed Boucher. Reed Boucher, uh, former NHLer. First round pick to the New Jersey Devils, I believe, or maybe second round pick, but regardless, New Jersey Devils draft pick, played in Vancouver, uh, is over in the KHL now, and he represented the U.S. internationally at different, you know, junior events and stuff. What has just pled guilty to um, a sexual assault charge for, you know, forcing uh, himself onto a minor essentially. So when he was seventeen on uh, two thousand eleven, staying at a built home for um, here in Michigan, actually for. I believe it was just for the national team program. Uh, you know, he performed pretty disgusting acts on a young 12-year-old, his um, billet sister. And at the time, USA Hockey finds out about it. All they do is move him out of the billet home. Nothing happens of it. And then now this charge finally gets charged for it. And since he pled guilty, part of the plea deal was he is not facing any criminal sentencing, nor is it going to appear on his record. So this is pretty Disturbing, pretty disappointing. Uh, we really, uh, there's not much more to say other than that this is just another step back for the sport of hockey, that this type of shit is just being allowed to happen. Yeah. Um, we're kind of just going to leave it at that because we really don't like going into these super negative things, and uh, it's super disturbing. I, I don't know why 
there was nothing that actually took place, charges and everything. But anyways, we're going to leave it at that if you want to do more research into it. Uh, it's, it's all over the place. So just thought we'd bring it up because it is a, a hot topic when it comes to news surrounding hockey right now. So um, there that is for you guys. Next up, let's talk about Jack Eichel. Some more positive news here is that Jack Eichel possibly playing for Vegas in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so ownership came out and said that should be here in the next few weeks or so. Um, you know, hopefully that means shorter than longer, maybe two, three weeks. Maybe it means four or five weeks. I don't know. But, yeah, we should be seeing Jack Eichel back on NHL ice here pretty soon, which is just, you know, it's just great for the league, great for the sport. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, in Vegas, that'll put them in a really good spot. We know that they started real slow at the beginning of the season, but they've really picked it up recently, sitting currently at the top of the Pacific Division, bringing in a player like Jack Eichel will only help them. I'm really excited to see how he looks. Obviously, being out of hockey for quite some time, uh, I'm sure it'll take a couple of weeks, a couple of months, to really get back up to full speed, but I think he's still going to be a productive player as he's getting to that point. Yeah, I would agree. All right, Chase, let's now look at the Oilers. Um, talked about Vegas. They started slow, really brought it back. The Oilers, they started hot, but... When it comes to COVID and the games that they are playing, they're just big time struggling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if you saw the game last night at all with them. Oh, no. So I believe it was they were up three to one in the third period. Good. Lost the game six to four. Good. So not. Not good, actually, believe it or not. No, actually good. Uh, I'm not a. Oh, and it was against Ottawa. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, so the Oilers have been reeling big time after a strong start. They are falling apart. Things are looking really bad. Uh, it truly feels like a matter of time before McDavid, Dreisaitl say, we need to get out of here. Like We, we need to be traded. Like we, we can't do this anymore. They're not building winner, winners around them. I know they're eating a lot of salary cap between the two, but it doesn't matter. They're so talented that you should be able to at least give them semi-competent players to play with, and that's just yet to happen. So I... I really, I, I have a feeling that this Oilers team is going to fall apart and have to be dismantled here coming up soon. Uh, I don't know what you got to trade to get a Connor McDavid type of player. Um, it's, you know, the Gretzky trade is comparable, but nowadays cash doesn't really get traded anymore. Cash was a big part of the Gretzky trade back then, so it, you also can't compare it. Like, I, I don't I don't know what you give up. You give up your next three first-round picks. You give up two legit NHL players, a top prospect or two, and I still feel like that's too low. I can't think of the last time a bona fide superstar was traded. Obviously, you've had like Eric Carlson and stuff, but they don't compare to the likes of Connor McDavid. So I I can't even imagine what they have to give up. Uh, Prospects, multiple first-round picks, just absolute craziness. Um, Looking back at that game, Senator scored five in the third. That's atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're now on a six-game losing streak. So, really bad by the Edmonton Oilers. I I think that everyone in Edmonton, and me personally, would rather see Drysaddle go first because I just like Drysaddle more, so I'd like him to get out of there. Um, and Connor McDavid, the face of Edmonton, obviously. But right. how ironic would it be if Connor McDavid found his way to Buffalo? Buffalo needing <laughs> needing to get the first or being the worst team in that draft, they lose the lottery, get Jack Eichel instead. 
they still I, somehow it, get McDavid. It's, it's just not <laughs> it, happening. It'd okay, be funny. maybe not, but it, it, definitely it'd, it'd interesting be, to think about. It, it, it'd be funny as hell, but it's just, it's just not happening. You think that'd be worst case scenario for Connor McDavid? You're like, oh boy, Edmonton, they've really not been great, and now I get to go to Buffalo. Yeah, that 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 would be bad. And the th- thing is, he's still 25. I think it's how old he is. Um, McDavid. Yeah. Really, so, he's that old already? Ma- ma- let's see. I, I didn't think he was that old. Yeah. So th- yeah. So he he probably is just turning or just turned 25. He just turned 25 yeah. three days ago. Yeah. So happy belated birthday, Connor. Uh, your team's imploding on you. But, he's old. Yeah. So he's still not eligible. Um, I'm sure it's in his contract for once once he is eligible. But you have to be um 27 in order to have a like a like a no move clause into into your contract. You can't just like um like you can have it like in there, but like it doesn't take effect until you get hit UFA eligibility status. Mm. So I don't know if um if that's 27 for all players or if since he's been playing in the NHL since he was 18, the rule is at that point seven years of pro hockey in North America or 27, whichever one comes first, you become a UFA. Um, so I don't know if if that means that applies this this year coming up on July 1st or not. But if it doesn't, then he could really be traded anywhere and have no say. That's not fun. Yeah. So so at that point, it would literally just be highest bidder. But at the same time, I just don't think Edmonton's going to be willing to get rid of him. So no, yeah, I, it's it would it would take an absolutely ridiculous amount where the team acquiring him would honestly might lose the trade. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much it would take. Yeah. All right, let's look at these Olympic rosters. We have the men's and women's rosters for the United States United States Olympic teams. Uh, which roster do you want to look at first? Let's start with the men's. We'll finish with the women's. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. There is 13 NHL prospects on this men's roster. Uh, obviously, we knew they had to dip into the college world because the NHL are not competing in the Olympics, so... A lot of young guys here, a very exciting team to look forward to. Yeah, you know, we're, we're not going to go name by name in this one. If you want to check it out, you know, you can go to US, TeamUSA. Or TeamUSA. Drew Hellison, David Warsaw. No. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, there, there's – I recognize pretty much all these names, you know, lesser hockey fans, the people that are just like, you know, NHL fans aren't going to recognize really any of these, you know, maybe a couple. But it's a lot, it's a lot of young guys. They opted for a younger team this year, which I'm happy with. Uh, the only returner – from the last Olympics is Brian O'Neill. Uh, you know, he, he's a pretty good European pro. Doesn't surprise me he made the team again. Thought there'd be maybe a couple more returners. Either way, I'm looking forward to see, you know, Jake Sanderson, Matty Beneers, two guys that are legit top NHL prospects. They're, they're going to come here and I think play a pretty big role. You know, you can look at Brock Faber, the LA Kings prospect. Uh, he should probably get some decent minutes up front. You know, Sean Farrell, Matthew Knies, those those two guys as well. Uh, in terms of younger guys, also in that Drew Camesso, I would assume that he's going to play some. But when you look at some of the older guys, you know, uh, it's a steady presence on the back end, like like Steve Kampfer, David Warsawski, um, you, know, you know, those are veteran pro players. They're, you know, nothing like amazing, but definitely solid. But up front, the veterans are honestly pretty underwhelming. Like Nick Shore might be the most notable veteran forward, and that's just it's not really ideal. When it comes to these young guys, who do you think makes the biggest impact? For this team, Jake Sanderson, and it's not particularly close. Jake okay. Sanderson, if, if he would have he would have signed an initial contract, he would have been playing easily top four, if not top two minutes for Ottawa this year. Because like he he's NHL ready, and he's definitely quite mature for his age. He is going to come in. I I don't know if he's going to wear a letter, but I genuinely think he's going to take on a leadership role in, in the team, and he is going to have quite the tournament. I think. Now, when we look at this U.S. Olympic team, how competitive can we be? 
uh, I guess overall, but also with probably the odds-on favorite right now, Russia. You know, you want tough. You want to say competitive, but like I, I told my brother last time I was talking to him about about this roster. Uh, it's it's Russia in one group, then it's Canada in another group, and then it's everybody else. Like like maybe even Sweden and Finland are going to be above the U.S. here. Like mm. like that's that's the point is, but. There's too many Canadians for them not to be able to field at least a competitive team. Russia's obviously got the KHL, and there's plenty of Russian players in the KHL that could play in the NHL nowadays, but choose not to, you know, because they'd come over play smaller roles compared to what they're doing in Russia. So, you know, I, I get it, but you know, it, it's 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 not going to be easy. It really is not going to be easy. You're going to need these young guys to step up. Whoever takes the net, I don't know if it's going to be Pat Nagley. I don't know if it's going to be Drew Kamesa. I don't know if it's going to be Straussman. One of the three are really going to have to help carry this team. It's going to be exciting to keep an eye on for sure, but let's not move on to the women's roster when it comes to the Olympics, headlined by Hillary Knight. The, the women's roster is we're going to see a lot more notable names. If if you watch Olympic hockey, uh, you know these there, there's people from the women's roster. I mean, really, just one, I guess. Hillary Knight, who's been on the team for the last three Olympics, so this will be her fourth one in a row. But there's plenty of others who have played in the 2014 and 2018. You know, to, to name them that have played in both. Uh, Amanda Castle, you know, Kendall Coyne Schofield, Hillary Knight, of course. And then, uh, you know, Brianna Decker is, is in that category as well. You know, th- th- this is a – it's a pretty good core roster, you know. Megan Keller is, is, is you know, a, a still young, talented player. There's a couple 2002 birthdays, uh, you know, so there's, you know, some young people on the roster. Abby Murphy, she's uh, playing at the University of Minnesota. And then Caroline Harvey, she's playing for um, NAHA U19. So she's just playing, um, you know, still another year of, like, the women's junior hockey before she goes off to college or whatever she decides to do. But this is actually looking like a pretty good roster. Um, you know, the, the women's game in the Olympics is, is a pretty good competition. I enjoy watching it every year. And the U.S. should, in my opinion, honestly be considered the favorites. Yeah, I only know a few of the names here by, you know, some of the veterans like Hillary Knight and Schofield Kessel. But the U.S. has been maybe the best women's program in the last decade. I mean, it's always them in Canada battling back and forth, but recently the U.S. has taken an advantage. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, a lot of it is thanks to, like, obviously Hillary Knight's been a staple on the scene for a long time, but every year there's one, two, or three of of the young girls that step up and play really well, like in the last Olympics. Maddie Rooney, she, you know, at the time, she's she the 97th birthday, so she was, you know, 21 years old at, at the time, maybe even 20 based on her on when her birthday is. I think, yeah, she's a July birthday, so she was 20 at the time. And she was a starting goalie and played phenomenally for the U.S. Um, you know, she's got a very good chance to be the starter yet again. I, I would bet that's going to be her. It's the same three returning from the last Olympics, so it seems like she should be the favorite. Um, it's going to be the same kind of thing. She, you know, she's still only a 97, so she's, you know, 24 years old, incredibly young. There's a, There's a lot of... Really good young talent on this roster, and that's what's fueled Team USA for the last few years. Yeah, a lot of success recently looking at the last three Olympics. Gold medal in 18, silver medals in 14, and 2010. Uh, We know the U.S. Olympic team is going to try to repeat what they did back in 2018, and we expect the men's team to try to be going for gold as well. It'll be a lot of excitement to watch the Olympic rosters here for the United States, one that we'll keep an eye on as we continue on into the Olympic um, showcase, I guess. Absolutely. But that's going to do it for the show. We're going to move on to hockey name of the day. Uh, this one's pretty good. Gary Garin. Yeah. Did I get so, that right? So you didn't. Uh, oh, it's Jerry Geron? Jerry Jerry Geron. Yeah. 
No, you can't. You can't. Oh, I can, and I did. No, no, no. But here's the thing: whoever named Jerry Garan, you can't have the same first three letters but different pronunciation. Okay, well, it's either Jerry Garan or it's Gary Garan. Well, his real name is George. So, what do you want to be, Gorge? George Garan. That's not his name. So, Jerry George Garan. I make the rules here. Not whoever, not not his parents. Okay, anyway, we're moving on. Um, so he is a very old hockey player. Uh, he was born in 1896. He's long past now. He, I think he, I believe he passed in 1981. Mm. So, uh, but the reason that his name is the one I chose today is, you know, I was just do, doing some random research and reading on random stuff, and Jerry has kind of interesting history. So he was the first American to play in the NHL. Uh, he only got in four games, and that was a 1917-18 season for the Montreal Wanderers. They, I think they had, like, a fire that burnt down their arena, so they couldn't play the rest of the year. And then he had to move on. Started playing in the U.S., um, then played in the, you know, the USAHA, which is pro hockey in the U.S. back then, which was, yeah, you know, whatever. It was fine. And then eventually made his way back to the Bruins, uh, you know, in 25-26. But that's not before. He played in France for a year in 1921-22. Then he made a return to France in 32-33. Apparently this guy was, like, a stud back then. So he was the first NHLer to play in France. Um, you know, back then, not a lot of guys went overseas, of course, to play hockey because it was, you know, it was such a newer sport in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, popularity and stuff. But he went over. He scored like a, a goal per game in the French League. Um, they don't have his exact exact stats on EP, but from what I was reading on, um, on hockey forums and stuff, that he, um, yeah, I think it was 28 goals for 27 games. He was so good over there that he got the nuke Duke Garan, so he was just like, nice. yeah, so like, so he was just, yeah, like, like a French Duke because of how good he was. Um, but yeah, so just a kind of a fun little history fact on, on, on the man. Yeah, first American born NHL player. Yeah, that's quite the achievement there. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, that's gonna do it for the show. Chase, also, also two time Olympian. That's something awesome. Matthews never be able to say. That's true. All right, well, let's end it with an outro, Chase. Yep. As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. If you want to check us on Patreon, support us over there. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow us on Twitter at Bulls Broadcast, it's at Bulls Broadcast. You can follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at Hockey Podnet. That's at Hockey Podnet. While you're at it, follow WNP on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. That's WNP Sports Pod. That we get all the content you need on Twitter right there between those three accounts. Uh, make sure you go to hockeypodcastnetwork.com. Find all the podcast network right there. Boom. Click the logo. Listen easy peasy lemon squeezy. Wherever you're listening, you can rate us five stars, send us your questions, comments, concerns. We really appreciate it. Whatever you do, do not forget to use code THPN when you sign up for DraftKings. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.